just a few, uh, a couple of more practical things about that evening because I've typically missed them off. Um, and if you want to ask me questions later, I'll be around for a bit if you want me to. Um, parents, kids, uh, it's going to be very child-friendly. Please bring your kids. If you want to leave, you split into three sections in an evening with breaks in the middle so you can go and talk to people from other churches that you haven't seen for years, etc. Um, the reason we want you to come on a coach, if you can, I know it ain't ideal. If you've got young kids or you're disabled, then you'll be able to park. But if you turn up, our stewards will look in your car and your boot. And if they don't find children or some level of disability, you will not be allowed to park. And we're going to be very hard. Okay? So this is why we need the coaches. But the idea of the coaches is also that we come together. It's more than just a car park. Come together. Some of the smaller churches are going to be coming together on coaches. They're going to be sharing coaches. Ain't that great? They're going to be coming together. And then as we all come together, we, we sit in front of our Father in heaven and imagine the joy as he looks at all his kids playing together. And then we go back on our coaches and we go back to our locations together. And then we come to church on Sunday morning because you're not allowed to not come if you come on the Saturday night. You know that, don't you? So we, we, we come home together as well. So what a lovely concept of coming together. Uh, it's five till eight because we want to make it as, as accessible as we can for all ages. So you can still go and have a curry afterwards if you want to. You can tape the football, whatever it is. But that's, we took feedback from a number of families, particularly mums. And they said, you can't start at seven o'clock. We won't be able to bring our kids. So, so we're doing that to make it as accessible as possible. Okay. If you've got any more questions about the evening, there'll be food available upstairs. Again, well, I've got to be tea at 6.35. Well, you'll still be able to have your tea at 6.35 in the place okay but you can't eat you can't bring your bacon sandwich and eat it in the auditorium they don't allow it okay so any practicals talk to us please book in i'm looking around guys if you can't have a coach on your own at least one come on junction 10 take your stand um, get amongst each other and encourage each other to come there's always reasons oh we've christmas we're all tired come and be part of this night can anybody put their hands up if they're not going to come okay Stop it. You're on holiday. So, Kev, only, only Joe. Put her hand up. Everyone else is coming. Put their names down. Okay. So, what I want to do now, guys, if you don't mind, I'm not a preacher. I'm a sharer. I'm a bit of a dreamer. And I do tend to move around. So, and I'm not very good at sticking to things. I'll do my best. I want to tell you why we're doing this. Okay. There were three questions that I believe the Lord asked me in 2016. Forgive me if you've already heard this, if you came to the joint Warsaw service in, in June, if you've been to any of our breakfasts, this is the kind of message that I'm normally sharing with leaders or with groups of churches together. But I'm going to try my best, Ian, to make it relevant for you as an individual and to us as a congregation. I'll do my best, but don't beat me up. Uh, I'm from Gornal. You'll find it hard. Um, so we've been gathering, we've been doing, doing things over many, many years, and for probably from ten, 2009 onwards, as a as a regional organisation or charity, we went quite underground. Um, we just felt we should, we should be less visible, less tangible, and we should build strong relationships and pray and listen to the Lord. What is the Lord saying to us? Because sometimes when God speaks to me as an individual, he can do it like that. But sometimes when he speaks to a region or the church in a region, it can take years. I can't explain that. He can also speak to the region like that. But what we tend to find is we need to hear the word of the Lord together. And then as leaders from different backgrounds, different cultures, we, we try and discern, is the Lord speaking to the church in Warsaw? Or is he just speaking to your church? Or is he just speaking to me? Because the world revolves around me, really, doesn't it? 
and I mean me, not you, okay? So I believe the Lord is speaking to the church in the nation. I have no idea what he's saying there, and that's not my call or remit. Pray that it never is. There are people who feel that. But I do believe the Lord has given a number of us the call to stand in the gap on behalf of a region. If that sounds arrogant, please forgive me. That's what I believe. Beat me up. So with others, we try to discern what is the Lord saying. So what I want to try and share with you now in five or ten minutes is why we're doing this evening on the 4th of January. We're not doing it for the sake of it, guys. I believe we are listening to the Lord and we are obeying what he says, which is why I have great hope for our future. Because when God speaks and his body aligns itself, things change. When Jesus walked the earth, he was the body of Christ. He did what he saw the Father doing. He heard, he spoke, he saw, he did. Jesus, I'm sorry to tell you this, is not on the earth as a man and hasn't been for 2,000 years. But we have as his body. And we can hear what the Father is saying and we can see what the Father is doing and we can begin to implement what we believe his will is. The good news is, I've already said this, it is will that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So every single person in your neighborhood, in your street, all of them, it is his will that they be saved. I went to look at what the word all means in the original Greek. Do you know what it means? All. It's really simple. But there's a difference between God's wishes and his will. There's some things that he will, they're sovereign, they're going to happen. Jesus is coming again. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with him or not, he's coming. But whether everyone in your street and your family will come to a knowledge of the truth is not based on the same word. It's his desire. It's his wish. It is his longing that every child of his comes home. I am foolish, foolish enough to believe that we can see a day where our streets, our communities are transformed by the word of God because the body of Christ on earth stand together and say, you know what? Let's, let's, let's finish this job. Let's get it done. You seem quite convinced as well. 2016, I was walking through an airport in Manchester. Very interesting story. I was going to Mexico. Wow. And I hadn't been fasting and praying. I hadn't been asking the Lord to speak to me about anything. I just wanted to get away and relax because I, I tend to get myself quite busy and almost burn out and need a couple of weeks to relax. Two weeks or a week before this, there had been a massive bomb at Brussels Airport. Do you remember it? 32 people were killed. So you can imagine when you're walking through an international airport, you haven't got one or two police with truncheons. We've got tanks outside. We've got people with whatever they call them, wobbly things, machine guns. Uh, so I, was, I, was, I checked my bags in and I was walking towards security with my son, who was nine at the time, a little lad called Seb. Lovely lad. Um, and it was, it was crazy. It was quite scary, a little, in a little bit. I'd never experienced anything quite on that level before. But you can imagine why they were there. So as I'm walking across with me and my lad, my, my wife and my daughter were 10 yards behind, typical, because um, we were always in a rush. And as I walked across, I had a vision. I think it was supernatural, but I, it wasn't one of the, this didn't happen. But there was, a, there was a, like a jihadist. Do I know what a jihadist is? Like a, a, a person with a vest. And, there was somebody in front of me. It didn't, it didn't happen, relax. It wasn't a real one. But in my mind, it did. And 
And I just imagine myself throwing my arms around my son to protect him. It, I, hadn't, I hadn't got a chance to think about it. It was an instinctive reaction. I threw my arms around, sorry, right, around, around my lad. And, and as I did that, the Lord spoke to me. And it wasn't, you know, I'm not one of these people, as the Lord speaks to him a lot, but as audibly or as real as this, but it was the question, will you throw your arms around the next generation? This is my son. I would instinctively give my life for him. I wouldn't necessarily do it as quickly for yours. I'm sorry to say. I hope I would, let's be honest. You mums, you could lift cars, apparently. But you wouldn't lift a car if someone down the road had a bit of a problem, would you? You, you? you know what I'm saying. Will you throw your arms around the next generation? That was April 2016. And I knew that was real because I got on an aeroplane and flew for, what, nine hours? And all, normally I'd just switch off and watch a film or two and, you know. I couldn't, I, I've, I've still got a Blackberry. I typed my thoughts out for six hours. So if you say to me, Tim, are you sure the Lord said that to you? I can never give you the word of the Lord as I come some prophet, can I? But I believe that God spoke to me. At the time, I didn't understand the context fully. But I heard the question, will you throw your arms around the next generation? I knew and the word devotion came to mind. Do you know what the word devotion means? It's not just like a time we spend and read our Bible. The word devotion comes from an Old Testament concept, and I think it's something like this. The total and irrevocable giving over of something, often to the point of destruction. So Jesus was the devoted lamb. So when we say we're going to be devoted to the next generation, Tim... This ain't running, walking alongside him in some nice mentoring programs and lovely ideas. This is giving our lives for them and maybe the way we want it to be done for them. I'll park that there. That was April 16. In May 2016, I read, I'm not going to read it now for time, but it's, it's Matthew 21, verses 1 to 10, just for you that are going to follow up on this. And it's the story of when Jesus sends two of his disciples from the village that he's in near the Mount of Olives to the next village and says this question, will you find me a donkey? And again, I haven't got time to, to dig into this, but the Lord spoke to me so clearly in May 2000, and I didn't at that point in time link it back to April 16, will you throw your arms around the next generation? But this, this, this just became so real. And I started to think, well, Lord, why is, why is that story so relevant for me, little old me? And I took it to a, to a regional gathering. Actually, you would have been there it, uh, at House of the Open Door and read this scripture out and put a context to it. And it was like the Holy Spirit fell in the room and everybody was just incredibly silent for a couple of minutes, which for church leaders especially is quite hard. Um, and it was like there was a moment what I didn't realise, and I'm a reasonable reader of my Bible over the years, I didn't realise, do, you know, do you know how many donkeys there were? A few of us know, but most of you wanted to say one, didn't you? You've had this picture of Jesus rising. But actually, there were two donkeys. A mother and a baby. There were two generations. Now, what, why is that relevant to him? What on earth are you on about, mate? Sometimes all the Lord needs is for us to do what he says. And it doesn't have to be evangelistic. God sent two men on a, on a mission that day. They had no idea what the impact was going to be. Not a clue. 
They go into a village, they're going to go and get a donkey. And they're going to bring it back. The result of that, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? In May 2016, I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, Tim, will you find me a donkey? He said, no time. But it didn't mean, will you go and find me? In fact, down my lane, I've got six donkeys. I haven't, but there's six, so I see them every day. What's a donkey? It's a vehicle. It's something that the Lord used to ride into Jerusalem at exactly the right moment. Going back thousands of years to Zechariah 9.9. Who is this riding? Prophetically. Beautiful, but no one saw it. Not even the disciples, not even the Pharisees who knew the scripture. They didn't realize what was going on, that the whole world was about to turn because two men said, yes, we'll go and find you a donkey. June 2016, I'm lying on my bed at five o'clock in the morning, which for me is the middle of the night, um, in Spain. Again, I'm on holiday. I'm not looking for the word of the Lord. I'm not looking for anything. I just want to chill out. I've not yet pieced together the first two questions. I'm lying on my bed and I wake up. And the only way I can describe this is, and this is probably the most profound experience I've ever had in my life. It was like I was plugged into an electric socket. And this sense of joy, the sense of excitement, I cannot even try and get back to it. It was supernatural. If it lasted for 20, 30 seconds, I'd think, oh, you know, that was a nice bottle of Merlot or I had too much cheese or whatever it is. It lasted for two hours and I was absolutely exhausted. Now, I know some of us may be uncomfortable with experience. I'm, I'm in the middle. I'll, I'll grab them when you can get them, but I ain't going to rely on them. That was an experience that's changed my life because even when I don't feel the emotion of it, I know that happened. And the Lord whispered something, in, and it's the most audible voice that I can ever hear, but it wasn't audible. It was far more audible than the, than the airport and the donkey. And, the, and it, was, it was this. Will you give me a decade for mission? Clear as crystal. Will you give me a decade for mission? And as I lay there, I mean, I just had that experience of joy, and I, and I, I knew this was linked to a harvest of souls. I knew this was linked to the coming of the kingdom of God on earth in some way that I cannot see, but I saw it. It was like I was seeing around a bend and I knew it was real and I knew it was coming. When? No idea. But I know that's what the Lord asked. At that point in time, again, I didn't connect that question to the previous two, but I just knew one or two other things that we haven't got time to go into now. I just, they just dropped almost like a download I knew there was something way, way beyond my puny brain that the Lord was doing. Later that year, Kev, a number of other people from the black country were in, actually in the same place in Spain doing a retreat. And we had a very, very gifted prophetic guy with us called Martin Scott. Some of you will have met or know of Martin, others won't. Just trust me, he's a very tr trusted, interdenominationally renowned, very, very prophetic guy. And he helped us to piece these things together. 
at that point in time, I realized that the three questions were connected and they weren't just for me. They were for a broader audience than just little old me. Will you throw your arms around the next generation? Yes, Lord. Don't know what it means, but everything that we or I am involved in there will have some, that's got to be an absolute root value or cause in what we do. Well, why is it always about the young people? I don't know. Other than we, we are not going to give our focus to young people because they're young. We're going to give our focus to younger people because God's told us to. Simple as that. And the way I say to some of my, people my age is, look, get over yourself. You know, we've had, a, we've had a whole life. If God's putting the dartboard on, the bullseye is the, the younger generations, and that could be naughty for autist for me, I don't know. But we're still, we're still on that dartboard, aren't we? When the Lord comes, he's going to sweep us all up. We're all going to have the opportunity to join in something extraordinary. But he's telling us, will you throw your arms around this generation? And when, what does it mean to find a donkey, guys? It could be a building on Junction 10. Will you find me a donkey? Something I can use and I'm going to ride in on this. And it ain't about you and it ain't about your building. You probably won't even know what's happening at the time because that donkey was prophesied before. But I just, you know, I just need you to do what I'm telling you. Do it. Trust me. Will you find me a donkey? And will you give me a decade for mission? What does it mean, Lord? I just said, yes, Lord. Well, you would. If you've had two hours of that. Wow. So for the next two years, and obviously Kev's been party to this more than, than most, I had to try and find a way to land these in a group of leaders. I won't say they're cynical, but they have heard it all before. And there's very, various different receptions, let's say, to the prophetic. But I think by the end of last year, we, we got this sense that we, we believe the Lord's speaking to us as a region through these questions. And maybe, if you, and I'm not comparing it to the Bible, please hear me. But if you think, if you read the prophets and you understand it all, come and teach me. Because I'm still looking at most of them books thinking, what does that mean? What does that mean? So I, I ain't got the answers. I just know that there were three questions. So from those three questions, we have felt as, a, as an area, leaders from different backgrounds, etc., that we need to begin to put things into place. So in, you'll be pleased to hear that in Warsaw, you were early adopters. So the church leaders that you guys meet in Warsaw are already thinking about a 10-year plan. And what that looks like, we don't know. But, but let, let me just say this for some of you that will ask these kind of questions. All, ev all evangelism is mission. Yeah? But not all mission is evangelism. What you want to base? When Jesus sent the two disciples to get the donkey, he wasn't trying to get the donkey saved. They went, they were sent, and they went, and they did what Jesus said. That's a mission. They were sent on a mission. You may be sent on missions that will involve all manner of things in the future. The key is, as individuals, that we're obedient. That when God tells us to do something or asks us to do something, we do it. Even more importantly, I'm sensing this morning for some of you, you don't even believe that God is ever going to send you on a mission. You think you've passed it, or you ain't good enough. Or life has disappointed you so much that you've lost hope in certain situations. Why would God ever send me on a mission? Or you might even be saying, oh, I don't want to go on a mission, I'm, I'm fed up. Let me just encourage you today, as low as you might be, as lost as you might feel, as challenged as you might be, will you be open today that God might have missions yet for you as an individual? Would you believe that? 
Would you do me a favour and believe it? And would you believe it for your kids that are still lost? And your neighbours that are never going to come to church. We've asked them a thousand times. Try again for Christmas because it does, it does help. Can you believe that God has missions for you? Do you believe that God has a mission for Junction 10? Do you believe that God has a mission for Junction 10? Really? How much do you believe it? Come on. That much? Would you be willing to give the rest of your life? I believe God has very, very specific missions for Junction 10. I've always believed it. We had prophetic words 20, 30 years ago, national and international influence. Yeah, but we, we ain't as big as we used to be. So what? He needs a donkey. So what? We don't measure the size of a church by its seating capacity. We measure it by its sending capacity, which is about being on mission, going, doing. I believe the Lord has led us as a church from where we were, out of a land, Junction 10, gone on a journey like the children of Israel to test us, to wean us down, to bring us to a place of strength. Because he never needs any more than 12 or two. Do you believe it? I, I, I ain't convinced. I ain't convinced. It's okay. Do I believe everything the Lord's said to me? I I hope so. But I'd like to be a bit more excited about it most days. Do you know what I'm saying? Because if I believe the greatest move of God in history is just ahead of us, and I'm going to live to see it, it might have a little bit of difference in the way I face my challenges today and tomorrow, and the way I see the situation with my son, or my daughter, or my mum, or my dad, or my mates. Or my neighbours. Whenever you're in a situation where you lose hope, I promise you, you are under the influence of a lie. I promise you. And people sometimes say to me, are you, are you a bit nuts? Believing this after 25 years. Maybe. I can't let it go. Are there days when I want to let it go? Oh, believe me. You who know me well, you know. I can hit low points. Low people can't hit. But then I realise, you're a liar, devil. You're a liar. You're a liar. There's always hope for your situation. God still has missions for you guys as individuals. He wants to send us on. Junction 10, he still has great plans ahead. I believe we'll be back on that land. I know it's ain't all about the builder. I, I do. And I'll still say we. I don't care what you say. We'll be back on the land. And it will be extraordinarily better than we'd ever have dreamt of if we'd have just got it X years back. Extraordinarily better. Because that's what God does. That's the way he does it. Oh, you're just a dreamer. Fine. No problem. God likes dreamers. I think, I think he's placed dreams in all of us. God's still got a plan for our regional church as well. We need to take our place in the nation. Do you believe that? Okay. I'd just encourage you to look into it a bit more. Ask questions. What's going on? Come on the 4th and just get a glimpse. But God's got extraordinary things. There are some amazing things happening in our region. How long have I got? 
you're the bosses. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can tie you up there. I can carry on for a bit. And okay. So what I want to do is I just want to pray for us. I got nowhere near where I thought I was going. But that's okay. I want that, that one line I knew at the start had to come. If any of you are in a situation where you lose hope, you can be sure you're under the influence of a lie. And I, I would guess that most of us, there'll be situations, there'll be some things in our lives where we've lost a little bit of hope for. It could be things I mentioned. It could be dreaming for revival. I don't know. But what I want us to do, I'm going to pray for you as individuals and then as a church. And you don't need to do anything. This is very private and personal. Just say, Lord, that's me. He knows, he hears. And ask him to, to give you a gift of hope, gift of faith for that situation. And then maybe, Kev, I don't know, or Rachel, or Ian, maybe we can stand and we can pray for the church in our region and across Warsaw that hope will be infused so that when we face, when God begins to send us on missions and ask us to believe for certain things, we can say, yeah, we, can, we believe this, Lord. Yes. Is that all right? So, Lord, we thank you for uh, that you're interested in me. Your word tells me that you wrote the page of every day of my life before I was even born. You are intimately acquainted with me. You love me. You treasure me. And I pray, I, as my brothers and sisters agree with me now, as they just say, yes, Lord, we break. I speak to every lying spirit and we break the power of lies in Jesus' name. We pray for a restoration of hope for our families, our kids, our parents. We pray for a restoration of hope for our health, for our mental health. We break the power of lies that bring us into depression and stress and illness. We break them. You are a liar, devil, in Jesus' name. We break them. We stand with our brothers and sisters. We break the power of lies. And we pray for an infusion of hope, Lord. Hope and faith. Help us to face a future very differently than maybe we are today. Let today be a day where something shifts deep down inside where we say yes to hope, no to lies. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for this congregation, for Junction 10, we thank you for our history. We thank you where you birthed us, why you birthed us. We thank you for every single thing that's happened, every person that's come to faith, been healed, been restored. We give you thanks. And we declare that the greatest days are yet ahead of us. And we do believe and we pray you'll give us gifts of faith and hope for a, a very wonderful, bright future. Not triumphalistic. We know there'll be challenges. We know there'll be battles. But Lord, you never lead us into battles that you, we can't win. You take us around those, but you lead us into battles that we can. So we pray particularly for the land again today that you'll unlock something. As you unlock things in our individual lives, lock, unlock something in our corporate journey as Junction 10 in the name of Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.